0: She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today?
1: Well, today our show is about transforming conflict into cooperation and we have a wonderful guest with us. In fact, I have two of her books sitting here right here as well. And let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Beverly A. Potter, who is a PhD. She earned her doctorate in counseling psychology from Stanford University, beautiful Stanford, and her masters in vocational rehabilitation counseling from San Francisco State University. She's also a corporate trainer and a pub professional speaker and she's authored a number of a number of books on such work workplace issues as overcoming job burnout managing yourself for excellence conflict management mediating conflict and much more and her website docpotter.com d-o-c-p-o-t-t-e-r.com is really packed with a lot of information that would be helpful to anyone who's interested in conflict resolution beverly also uh, was a member of the staff development team at stanford university for 20 years And also, she was on the faculty for Berkeley Executive Seminars for City Managers, sponsored by the University of California School for Public Policy for eight years. And she's provided management, skill workshops for working professionals through many different colleges. And she's developed specialized training for such corporations as Cisco, Hewlett-Packard, Genentech, Sun Microsystems, and many, many, many more. And she well, I got a kick out of it because she's also done things for the State Bar of California. Beverly has worked with a team of psycho uh, psychologists training police officers as trainers in crisis intervention, and we know how important that is for police officers to be able to deal with conflict management and and all those kinds of issues in the face of crisis. So you can learn more about her at our website at conflicthealing.com where you'll see her picture and her bio and pi- pictures of her books. And you can we also link to her website at docpotter.com. So, Beverly, thank you so much for joining us. Well,
0: I'm delighted to be here.
1: Well, I have both of these books in front of me that are wonderful. I've actually gotten into both of them and had the opportunity to read con- from Conflict to cooperation how to mediate a dispute and as being a mediator myself i always enjoy uh, collaborating with other people who are mediators and seeing things from a slightly different perspective but Mm -hmm. we all have the Mm -hmm. same wonderful goal and then we also have another book high performance goal setting using intuition to conceive and achieve your dreams wonderful wonderful books that people can can learn about more about at your website as well. So let's let's kind of get started and talk about conflict since every one of us has conflict in our lives. I mean, it's just it's normal. It's, it, you know, people see things from their own perspectives. And conflict itself doesn't even have to be negative. It can be an opportunity for great, wonderful changes and improvement in things. So what causes conflicts?
0: Well, you made a good statement of it right there. It's when we feel thwarted, like somebody's stopping us from achieving something or getting something, the person is standing or an entity, something is in our way. But as you said, conflict is not bad. It's normal. We we would have to wonder about somebody who had no conflict at all. I mean, are they a person? Do they have a anything going for them? Uh, but... In today's society, one of the problems is that uh, increasingly to have a disagreement is looked down upon almost like you're a bad person. We're all supposed to be so cooperative with the collective type of thing. Right. But and- actually, a conflict is an opportunity to clarify expectations, to work things uh, out of the process, to make things work better. So we shouldn't be afraid of conflict. We should be afraid of conflict that goes underground.
1: Exactly. And just yesterday I was sitting with a, um, a whole group of mediators that were on a conference together and we're planning all these wonderful things and, and an issue came up that was very um, challenging that there was conflict. And the good news was as as mediators, instead of sticking with our positions of you know, we should do this, no, we should do this, no, we you know, really mm-hmm. strong positions. We just stopped and said, wait a minute, what are the interests here? What is everybody's concerns? Let's, let's see if we can forget about these positions and just look into all these concerns, all these interests, and try and see if we can find a way that everybody can feel good about this. And mm-hmm. we were able to do it. And we all kind of pat each other on the back and started laughing and said, aren't we all good mediators that we were able to deal with some very, 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 very sticky things and get it done. And and that's what it's all about is something mm-hmm. we, we mm-hmm. created something even better than any of those positions were because we brainstormed and we looked for solutions. And it was just a really nice thing to do. And mediators
0: are human beings, too.
1: Exactly. They, I mean, <laughs> you know,
0: they have conflict. I'm sure that somebody who's on the other end of the mediation might look at the mediator like, well, everything's just smooth sailing for you.
1: Right. Which it isn't. I mean, we all have uh, challenges with our spouses, with our children, with other colleagues, with with vendors, with. You know, I mean, it's just normal that we're going to have some challenges that come up. It's not the challenge that comes up. It's the solution. I mean, every problem, as you know, really is that opportunity to, to get a, a problem solved.
0: That's right. To clarify and to under, uh, understand things. A lot of times, uh, conflict, part of the problem is uh, jumping to conclusions and making assumptions, not really knowing what the other person's why they're doing whatever it is they're doing and, and making an assumption about that. And very often when a person hears the other person's viewpoint, the, right there the conflicts may start dissolving because they didn't understand what that other person was thinking or feeling or why they did that.
1: Exactly. They, you know, if they don't understand then and they don't take the time to understand and listen. And I know in your book, you talk about how important listening is. Let's talk about that for our audience to let them know about the power and they create, you know, what comes out of really listening to another person
0: well uh, that's definitely e- extremely important and most of us are not very good listeners even when the other person is speaking uh, especially if it's a conflict because in a conflict then there's emotions we're angry we're we're afraid anxious these kinds of emotions and they even cloud things more but all too often we're very busy thinking of our answer and not thinking of what the person is saying so we're not hearing what they're saying at all we don't we're we're not Uh, aware of how they're feeling or what their motive is, because we're jumping ahead to what we're going to do.
1: Right. We're trying to think of our own arguments, or we're trying to think of a a way to win, right? (laughs) Or we're not staying present in that very second, which is something that that all of us can, can really work on. So, you know, some people think that um, if a conflict occurs at work or something that is dysfunctional, what do you say to that?
0: Well, as we've been saying, the conflict existing is is totally normal because uh, each person is unique. People have unique viewpoints, unique desires, motives, etc. Uh, so having a conflict just means you've bumped into somebody else. It's the ignoring it or denying it or... Uh, pushing it aside or blaming somebody else that 's because the conflict is still there, and then it 's just getting worse and worse, kind of like a an infection or a a boil or something getting worse and worse
1: right so the dysfunctional part is how they react to conflict if they don 't resolve it
0: that 's right that's that 's part of it and then sometimes um, it, the the problem is not in the person that has the conflict per se, but perhaps say the manager and And you know it 's not just a workplace where conflict pops up it 's on the playground and it 's at home with the kids and it's you, you know in the sewing circle or whatever everywhere people are
1: right right and, it's between and business. so
0: part of the uh, and and once again these days uh people are uh, supposed to be nice all the time it's it's like not nice to 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 have a disagreement, so it's very easy to to kind of swallow your annoyance and say nothing, but there you are still stewing away. Right. It's the people who are we're, we're so afraid that somebody is going to judge us as, you know, not a nice girl or you're, you're, you know, a pugnacious person. You're, you're just, Right. You know, it's all part of this political correctness that we're struggling with.
1: Right. By by confronting people are afraid that it's going to escalate because they, mm-hmm. they don't really know. They don't have the skills. So they're afraid that if they say something, it'll escalate and they'll get fired. Or if they say something, that it'll turn into a, a, a real problem with their spouse or right. if they say something their child will run away you know so there's right. always there's that fear of what's going to happen right and,
0: and part of the problem is i mean i would say that there's generally a phobia against conflict and anger in our society and it's considered not not nice especially if you're a woman or a girl yes you, you just better not be angry That's just not a nice thing Right. Uh, you know, and so part of the problem here is that not only do people do get angry and they do get agitated and, and blah, blah, but because of this, we, there very few people know how to deal with it. Okay. So, so not only do you not know how to deal with your own conflict and irritation with somebody else, but uh, the manager or, you know, the coach or, or the school teacher or whoever it is, uh, or, or the coworker, or the friend, if somebody gets into a conflict, or you sense the conflict, you don't know what to do. Exactly. And so then that person becomes a party to sort of let, look. Let's just all be nice here. <laughs> when in, in so we're all so afraid of the conflict and not really knowing how to. Almost, just kind of naturally step in. I mean, uh, we can, you can step into somebody else's agreement and help them work it out in really a matter of a few minutes, without even having it be a big deal. You know, like say you've got two kids, um, you know, on the uh, on the, um, um, a playground, uh-huh. you, you know, and they start to arguing. You can step in, and um, the the material that I have, I, you mentioned before, I used to work with police officers. This, the material was actually developed for police, and I, and I was trained in it by a consulting group, and then I changed it for more the workplace. But police officers, the most dangerous police call there is is called a, um, a 415, and it's a civil dispute. It's O.J. Simpson beating up on his wife.
1: Domestic violence, yeah. Domestic
0: violence. Yeah. And it's not just necessarily domestic uh, when we think of the family, but, uh, you know, people arguing and fighting, but domestic violence. This, right. this is so dangerous. This is where police officers are injured. They always send two cops. Right. Never let one go in there alone. And, and yet police officers aren't counselors, therapists, and you've got cross-cultural things. You don't know who these people are. You step in there. Uh, it may be physical violence. You have no idea what's going on. So uh, the process that was developed is a very fast stepping in, mediating, trying to come to an agreement and getting out. Well... So let's go back to the the playground. You have these two kids they're starting to argue, one of them's screaming, you know or whatever they are. they're arguing at each other. You can, as say, the teacher or, or whoever could just step in and say, "Hey, come on over here for a minute. Uh, say their names are you know John and and um and Jack, okay mm-hmm. say, "Look, John and Jack." Um, I, I'm going to talk, so the first thing you do is, uh, what people naturally want to do is separate the disputants. But this is actually a bad idea for a bunch of reasons. It takes a lot of time. When you separate them, then each one is suspicious, like, what is, what, what, what is he telling her? Right. You know, and then it also implies that you are going to come up with a solution. Right. And we want to separate disputants. Why? Because of our own fear of the conflict. Right when we separate, everybody's on their good behavior. Uh, now, this, this may be different in, you know, in a mediation, like with a, a couple, and you're talking about uh, separating, uh, you know, dividing up estates and things like that. There's Absolutely. a lot of money and contracts. Yeah. But I'm talking about the stepping into the dispute
1: well, at, I agree with on the spot. Yeah, no, I agree with you. When I do family mediation, I, I like to keep them together. Once in a while, we'll have a caucus. If there's something that they want to ask me, like let's say they have a new significant other and they want... They want to tell me, but they don't want to tell their spouse yet. I usually get that out anyway and get their permission. But mm-hmm. but I agree with you um, in terms of family disputes. I, I like to keep them together because you're right. They immediately wonder, what's going on in that caucus? What's she saying? Right. Whose side is she, is she, she on? She's on
0: the, and then yeah. they're, they're already going to be watching you. I'm referring to you as the person who steps in as being on the other person's side. They're going to just pick up the most subtle thing. Right, right. Uh, but if you bring them together, the first thing, you sort of set a ground rule like, I'm going to... Uh, talk to you. I want to find out what the problem is. I'm going to talk to you one at a time. Uh, I'm going to talk to John first to see how he sees it, and then I'll speak with you, Jack. And then, So you've laid the ground rules. You've told them that you're going to talk to them one at a time. You want to hear what the problem is. But at the same time, then you start with one. So you turn to one, you say, John, and you start with that person. What is the problem as you see it? The other person is standing there listening, it may be the first time they've actually heard the problem. Right. So they're standing there listening, and so you, as the mediator, you ha- I mean, it's a tricky role, but once you learn the skills, this burden of you having to come up with a solution is lifted. You don't have to know anything. All you have to do is know how to keep the one from bursting in and, you know.
1: Yeah, you're just managing, managing. And it, yeah. how
0: to draw the other person out without without biasing what they're saying so that's like basic interviewing questions so you say what is the problem is you see it to the first kid and the kid starts talking and then you use different interviewing techniques uh open-ended questions or checking out do you mean you feel or do you mean if, if he says well he's just a brat well what can you do with that so you you say what did he do because right. you're trying to bring it down. You ignore uh, negative things. And, and let's say you say, he's just a brat. Well, then the other kid goes, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so, so at the same time, you can use, the, it's, a, it's basically force. I mean, if you put your hand out, if you, if you take your finger, you know how we all can't stand it when somebody shakes their finger in your right, face. Right, right. But that's a sign of force. A little shaking or a heavy shaking is more force. But if one person bursts out, I mean, you're looking at the one you're talking to. Let's just say you're standing there on the, on the playground. You're looking at the one kid you're talking to. The other kid, you can kind of put your hand out without even looking at him that, that says, you know, be quiet. If the right. kid keeps up, you turn to him and say, hold on. That's an increasing force. Or you may stop and say, I'm talking to John now. I'll get to you next. Right. Or you can even kind of lean in a little bit, the kid's still standing there, so that you kind of, you cut off his vision of the other kid. You can still hear, but we get more angry when we see the person that we're annoyed at. Right, right. And if you cut off their vision just by leaning in slightly, you can still hear them, but by cutting off the vision, you're less angry because you can't see them. Right. So there's... So on the one hand, you're controlling the person who's listening. On the other hand, you're looking at the person that you're finding out how they, you're not saying, what is the problem? You're saying, what is the problem as you see it? Right. And you'll keep emphasizing that as you see it. And then summarizing often, so as you see it, the problem is um, he cut in line in front of you And stepped up when it was your turn, and when you said to him, "Hey, wait a minute," then then he called you a brat or or whatever it is. Uh, Is there anything else? Right. And you keep interviewing. To the person says, "No, that's about it." Yes. Then you got that kid's story. The other one has heard it. Then you turn to him. Now a mistake, a common mistake, would be you turn to him and you go, "Well." Well, what do you say about cutting them in, or you know, you you don't make them answer the other kid's story,
1: right? Now, what's your story? What do you, how right. do you, you say it?
0: Just as you say, okay, okay, Jack, what is the problem as you see it? Right, and then you draw them out while the first kid is listening, and you're keeping that first kid quiet and so forth uh, until, and you 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 know you you check out, do you mean this, Oh well, what do you mean, or what did he do, until you can summarize it. So as you see it, the problem is, bing, bing, bing. Yeah. Then when that kid says, yeah, that's about it, then the next step would be to move into the mediation immediately. Yeah. It's just kind of ad hoc on the spot. Right. So you would, re- you would then summarize both of them okay john as you see it the problem is that jack cut into line and grabbed your thing and called you a brat and jack as you see it it was you, you so you thought it was your turn
1: right or you thought somebody was saving your place
0: or whatever, or, or whatever yeah. it was, <laughs> yeah. right and then you turn to one of them probably the one you think will will be most responsive but because it's your choice you turn to the one of them and you say what do you suggest for solving this. So what do you suggest for preventing this from happening again? Right. And you put the burden right on them. And if they say, well, I don't know, you, you just ignore that. You ask them again, well, what do you suggest? What, what, what would you like to see Jack do? And you push them a couple times. If they don't, then you turn to the other one. But usually somebody will say something, even if it's kind of a s- snarky. Right. Uh, they may say, well, you know, tell them to grow up. So you don't berate him. At least he said something, right? right. You say, "What do you want him to do?" Right. So you keep and you clean up bad language. You don't, you know, you just ignore that and keep coming back to, "What do you want him to do?" Now, let's say the kid finally says something. Then you take that. You don't say, "Well, look, that's unreasonable," or or "You're asking a lot there." No, you just take the the suggestion to the other kid, and you say, "Uh, "John suggests." that you ask before you step up to the, to the plate. What do you think of that? You just take the suggestion, if it's, a, if it's outlandish, if it's ridiculous, the other kid is going to say, that's stupid. Right. And so you say, okay, what do you suggest? Right. You keep doing this until they come up with, eventually they will come up with something. And besides, you're using, usually you have some degree of authority. Or, you know, you're the teacher, or you're the parent, or you're the boss. Something like that. So, you know, they want to show you they're being cooperative. Usually, somebody will come up with something, right? And 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 at the same time, you see, you're teaching people that a conflict is okay. Yes, and you can uh, negotiate and work it out. And you know,
1: even though you and I are professional mediators, that's something that we do for a living. That's a skill that we have. Every there are, you know, most people's don't even realize that they end up being a mediator quite a bit of the time or they're put in a position that they would be. Right. For example, two sisters are fighting and the third sister comes in, mm-hmm. right? right? Or or two friends are having a disagreement and there's a the third one who is trying to help resolve it. Right. Or two business people that maybe, you know, several business people sitting around the table and then one comes in to try and do this. So what you're talking about is something that it, you don't have to be a professional mediator to be using
0: this that, book. That's exactly right. You, and, know, from, from, you don't have to make it a big production. Yes. You know, it can be almost a spontaneous kind of thing, you, you know? Right. Where you just kind of move into that mediating role and go, well, you, you know, what's going on here, Jim? How do you yeah. see what just happened? Right,
1: right. Or you kind of even have to. I think even if you're doing it with friends, you just say, "Hey, let's let's get together here and let's let's see if we can understand each of your perspectives, so that you that they know what the goal is or the objective is. Mm-hmm. As, mm-hmm. Let, let's see what is your perspective. Okay, what's your perspective now? Okay, so given those perspectives and they're, they're good ones and they have, they're legitimate, now what are we going to do about it? Right. <laughs> because, you know, you don't have to, you could, the, the adults that you have or the professionals that you have are hopefully going to be, um, you know, a little bit more, I think, easier than the kids on the, on the playing field. You know, they're, they're more grown up. You can t- treat them as adults, and they, hopefully they'll be a little bit more understanding of the process when you're trying to do this and you're trying to help.
0: Right. Well, and they they actually don't have to understand the process as long as you can draw the person out. I mean, with adults, we always have that little problem of the desire to win. Right. Right. You know, and, and the position and that, that's the, part of a dilemma there. Uh, but that you know, the technique can be used in various ways. Like, for example, when the, this these people, that have this this consulting team that taught me this technique is it's very it's very powerful and it's very fast. Um, well, I didn't really like them so much. We had to go and live in these hotel suites for weeks on end, like the consulting group. And basically, in my my viewpoint, there was like an ego pie, and it wasn't big enough for all the massive egos. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow, you, to, you, and, to, you know, and they had all these various alliances. Like, two of them were married in this consulting group, so they had an alliance. And the other one was a partner in the company, and this and that, and the next thing. I, I was sort of the, the odd man out.
1: Well, you know, uh, that, and, and
0: so it, that was fine because I palled around with the cops who were like a bunch of boys, and that was great. But anyway, so I felt like they were these. these people were always picking on me. Well, one day, I'm in the uh, consulting, in the suites, and I see all the cops there that were training, but I noticed that there's nobody at all from the consulting team, not a single one. Where are they? And there was uh, this room down the hall, private room, and I I think, aha, well, there's no no bigger no-no among psychologists than to be talking behind somebody's back and not being authentic and
1: well, they're not walking their talk. That's for sure.
0: Exactly. See, so, so I go down there to the room, and I hesitate outside the door for a second. And sure enough, they're all in there talking about me. <laughs> so I uh, knock on the door, and I the, they go, "Come in." You know, now I've caught them. You see, so they're all looking very guilty, and they're all, of course, pretending they were not talking about me. And so so I go into the room, and I stand there, because I stood, because they're all sitting, I you know, and there's like about six of them, and there's just me. And so I use their techniques on them. I said, well, go on. And I turned to the first one, and I said, now, what is it about me that annoys you?
1: And were they open and, and receptive? They, well, they
0: had no choice. I, for, I forced them. I looked straight at them, and I said, I'm, you know what? It, and then somebody tries. To, I put up my hand and said, hold on, I'll get to you next. And then they said, well, you're whatever. I can't even remember what it was that annoyed them. And I kept asking them, do you mean this? Do you mean I do that? Do you mean blah, blah, blah? So, and then I summarized it. So in other words, what really annoys you about me is blah, 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 whatever it was. Then I went to the next one, I went to all of them. I made them sit there and every single one of them say what they were saying about me when I wasn't in the room. Yeah. And when I got to the last one, yeah. I looked at them all and I said, well, that's all very interesting. I'm going to think about that. And I turned around and walked out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think it, 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 by going there and at least. Confronting, And it sounds like it was a gentle confrontation, even though it was a confrontation. I didn't even
0: confront them. I just got them to tell me what it was they, well, that they were so angry well, about. Well, th-
1: that's what I call the gentle confrontation, yeah. that when you bring up, uh, you, you, you genu- genuinely address the issue.
0: And we are out of time. Yeah. I can't believe it. Well, so, uh, so just the one last tag on that. A lot of times when you get the other person to say what is bothering them, It takes the wind out of their sail. The anger goes away.
1: Yes, because it's it's already out in the light. And they're not
0: putting it in the basement anymore. Yes. So when you're a disputant sometimes that's what you can do is you draw the other person out as long as you can control yourself and not going well and and you know and and defending you just draw them get them to tell you everything
1: (laughs) yep well i think they can learn a lot more they can learn from your book from conflict to cooperation how to mediate a dispute by dr beverly potter beverly thank you so much for joining us and we will keep in touch thank you so much thank you thank you you've been listening to kuci 88.9 88.9 FM Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, the host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Go to our website at conflicthealing.com. Look at our upcoming guests, download and listen to archived interviews and download podcasts and tell us about your concerns about peaceful resolution in your life. Thank you.
0: It's about trust.